The following podcast is sponsored by StructureTech. We're going to dig into the idea of, is this important and should this be fixed at your house? Welcome everyone. You're listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. As always, your three-legged stool coming to you from the Northland, talking all things houses, home inspections, and anything else that seems to creep into our head on a given Thursday when we record our podcast. Thank you very much for listening today. Peek behind the scenes. <laughs> it's not pretty behind this curtain. We'll just warn you. Good thing we don't post the video of these, huh? Just the audio. <laughs> this is the audio, yes. The editing of the video would be more than one person would ever want to take on on a given week. But thanks everybody for joining us today. We're going to dig into the idea of, is this important and should this be fixed at your house? You know, how severe is this? How urgent is this? And Tessa is going to share her mom and dad just moved into a new house and they have a laundry list as long as the table of things that probably should be done or could be done. And they're, they're wondering how big of a concern are all of these things. On today's episode, what we're going to do is just go through your mom and dad's punch list of to-dos and grade them out and see how much the hair on the back of your neck stands up or if it even moves the needle in the slightest way. Well, you know, we were actually, I was down in Austin for IEB Unite last week and that is when they moved into this property. And I mean, it, it's a nice property. I think it was built in 2006-ish and, and it's in a small town in Minnesota and they moved in and after they moved in, you know, they started kind of discovering these things and having these questions questions. And so when I came back from Austin, I came up to see their new place. And right away, they kind of put me on you know, like inspector duty to go through and ask me these questions and, and kind of dive into it. And I'm really glad that I have the knowledge I have about houses because I mean, there's some things that were needing immediate attention and some other kind of things that were smaller that I, you know, that they were concerned about that I don't think really matter. And so we spent some time kind of talking through these things and prioritizing, but I'd, I'd love to kind of throw these things out to you guys too, and just have a conversation about it. Well, did you explain first of all that the inspector relationship with a homeowner or a tenant is a financial relationship that comes with strings. Um, <laughs> I mean, free meals. It comes down oh, to okay. free meals. <laughs> they paid you in wine and meals. Okay. Yeah, beer and free meals is okay. how they repay me. And they're very generous. So yes, it's a good relationship. <laughs> okay. So the first thing that goes off in my head is that your mom and dad moved into this house and just full disclosure here, it's a rental. So they yeah. didn't get a home inspection and Correct. they're in transition. So a lot of these questions would probably be something that would have been addressed in, in a home inspection had they had one. But of course, they don't need one right. because it's not their house. And then the second thing that piqued my attention is you said the house was built in 2006. So doing some quick math, it feels like we're on that line where it's either everything has been replaced already and or it's about to have to all be replaced. Water heater, furnace, maybe an HRV, any of these mechanical pieces of equipment start to get tired after 15, 17 years, if my math is correct. It's been a while. So what was the condition of the house when Inspector Tessa showed up on the scene? Well, kind of like you said, Bill, I think that a lot of things have been replaced, but after I was diving a little bit deeper, there's some things that are original and they, like you said, are kind of the bigger systems. And Ruben, this is a painful subject for you, right? Didn't you just have to replace your furnace in 
in your AC? Just got done doing it. Yep. That was not expected. But, you know, the way it worked was it found out that I had a failed heat exchanger on my furnace. And it, it wasn't like I got a big old hole in it or anything, but it was a Bryant, I think. And there was this kind of a recall for carrier, Bryant, Payne. They're all basically the same thing. And if it fails within the first 20 years, there's some additional money for home inspectors. And wait a minute, home inspectors get some special spiff. Did I say home inspectors? You did. Homeowners. (laughs) Homeowners. Full disclosure, Ruben had his second shot for the vaccine yesterday, right, Ruben? I did have my second shot and I'm not at 100% right now. Yeah. Close, but not quite there. Yeah. I'm Actually, a second shot for the vaccine. I, I'm not with it either. Man, yes. We all know what we're talking about. Yeah. When was that vaccine. dinner that you had with your parents? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <I know. laughs> oh, man. Bill, keep us on track. Okay, Ruben, you replace your furnace. How old was it? It was like 19 years and 10 months, I believe. Okay, so high efficiency furnace there. in Minnesota, 20 yep. year run. I'll take that all day. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Although, you know what was nice was that I got several different different bids from a bunch of people on our service provider list. And I was chatting with one guy and he was saying, yeah, when the city comes out and they got to approve the permit, they also require that we pull a separate permit for the electrical and we got to have an electrician do it. And that adds another 500 bucks or whatever onto the cost. And I said, well, how about if I do it? Because I mean, there's nothing to it. It's like connect the wires. I can do this. I'll pull the permit. How about that? And he made a quick phone call. He's like, that's cool. And so I ended up talking to the next company came out and they're like, yeah, that's fine. And so I ended up doing that. Pulled my own electrical permit. I did the electrical work, which took like five minutes and saved me basically 450 bucks. It was a $50 permit. That was nice. That's a nice little insider tip, I think. If you're having your own stuff replaced and you feel comfortable doing a very, very small amount of electrical work. If your HVAC contractor is comfortable working with you on that, I thought it was a nice way to go. One thing you said too, I know we're getting down a rabbit hole, but I just wanted to mention, this was really cool. You had, what did you say? Six contractors come out? Or you I got had six, six of them. Yep. How many and of them did a manual J calculation? One. <laughs> one of yes. them did that. This was high road heating and air. And Mm -hmm. they were the only ones who did a manual J. And that's, that's something that's really supposed to be done when you're replacing HVAC equipment. I can't intelligently explain what it is, but in my very basic words, it means you're calculating what the house actually needs. You know, you go around and you measure up all the windows, you calculate the square footage, the height of all the rooms, you calculate the volume of what's needed to heat and cool, and you figure out exactly what size equipment needs to be put in the house. I remember, I probably shared this on an old podcast where I had had a heating contractor come out and he was just doing a tune-up. It was like some, you know, $29 tune-up, some Groupon or something. I just wanted to see what it was all about. And this guy was saying my AC wasn't cooling at all. And it it was, it was working perfectly fine, but he said it wasn't really cooling and gave this outrageous number just to repair it. And we talked about replacement and he said, well, yeah, if, you know, if we'd replace it, we'd go with one that's a lot bigger. And I was like, oh, I mean, my eyes just kind of bugged out. I said, why? And he's like, well, it'll cool your house better. (laughs) Oh, 
<laughs> and it's like, we've talked about this so much. You, you don't want to oversize your equipment. It just means that it's going to run for a very short period of time. Nothing in your house is going to get any of that latent heat. And it's going to return to its original state very quickly. It'll cool down quickly or it'll heat up quickly and it won't stay there. And your equipment constantly cycles on and off. So it's, it's not good to have oversized equipment. You want to have it properly sized. For the people in the South listening to this, if you've ever been in a, in an air conditioned house and the AC kicks on, it turns off real fast and you feel all clammy and sticky and it's cold. That's like an oversized AC, right? Yep, Side effects exactly. of that. Yeah. Well, let's put a bow on that conversation, Ruben. Did you pull out your home inspector badge and flash <laughs> it at this clown who showed up at your house to give you a lesson that you knew you didn't need? Chase him out of your driveway, shaking your fist in the air. Don't you ever come here again? No, I was I was completely intrigued. I was nodding, wide-eyed, smiling. Really? It cools better. Wow. This is amazing. That's that's wow. kind of all I said. I gave him a big smile and I thanked him for all the extremely helpful information. That's all. You know, I'm not there to settle their hash. Gotcha. Well, okay. Their hash is theirs to cook. That's okay. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Tessa, let's get back to your mom and dad's house. So what was the biggest thing that you noticed and you're like, hmm? Well, you know, it was funny that right away, my mom had a couple things that were really bothersome to her. One thing was that her sink in her bathroom, the stopper didn't work. She's got like hard contact lenses. And so she fills up the sink with water every night and washes them old school. And so that's like a super important thing to her is to have a stopper that works. And also the drain <laughs> was really slow <laughs> too. And so, you know, that was like the top of her list. And then the other thing was um, she noted there was a door in the upstairs bedroom closet door that she couldn't open and wasn't latching properly. So that was on her list too. Did you um, just yawn and walk out of the room? Give <laughs> <laughs> me a call when we got a real problem. <laughs> Oh, but these things are big deals. And the other thing, you know, my dad, he said, you know, T, when I stopped by the house a couple of days ago, they had, you know, they had just shampooed the carpet and I, I, he noticed that the furnace fan had been running. And when they were moving in, he couldn't get the fan to kick on and, and you know, put the thermostat to auto and fan on or whatever. And he it didn't seem to be moving any air through the house. So he didn't know what was going on there. And he wanted me to take a look at it. Yeah. So kind of the first thing I looked at was, of course, you know, where do I go to in the, in the house? I go right to the mechanical room, you know, taking it all in. And uh, it was a high efficiency furnace and it was original to the house. So I played around with the thermostat. First of all, I set it to fan and just to see if it would kick on and it didn't seem to kick on. So then I set it to heat, saw the flames, it, you know, ignite the flames turned on. They were on for a few minutes. The fan never kicked on or the blower never kicked on. And then it switched off. So I said, yeah, dad, the, the you know, the blower's not working and, you know, the furnace itself, like the heat is working, but not the blower fan. And since the fan isn't kicking on, you know, it's basically overheating the system and it's turning it off. I can share a little ninja trick I learned yes, when you have please. this problem is you flip the fan switch on mm -hmm. and then to get inside of that blower to have it operate while the cover's off, there's a little like kind of refrigerator door type of switch. Push that thing down to trick it into thinking the door's on. 
-hmm. And then you reach inside that blower and you try giving it a spin. Oh. And if it starts running after you do that, it means that your blower is still fine, but you have a bad capacitor. And a capacitor is just a little thing that stores some energy, kind of like a battery almost. And it's enough to just get that blower kicked into gear. And once it starts spinning, it'll stay spinning. It's something you can do to see if you got a bad capacitor. And if it is a bad capacitor, it's not a big deal to replace it. I mean, you could certainly do it. Mm. They cost about 10, 15 bucks. Basically, you just pull your old one out. You you Google up the serial number or the part number yeah. on it. I got one at Granger Supply. It was, wow. I think it was 10 bucks, put a new one on and that was it. And it was a super simple repair. I mean, it took like two minutes to replace it. For you, for you. Okay, <laughs> maybe, maybe five <laughs> minutes for anybody else. The point is it was a simple fix. Well, so here's a question for you, Ruben. If you don't hold down the safety switch, you know, on the lower blower compartment door, can you still test to see if, if that's working or not? Like, do you have to hold the switch down to see if you can kickstart the fan? Yes, you do. You have you to do. hold and the if switch you, down. Okay. So if you don't hold the switch down, that test won't work. That's right. What we find on a lot of furnaces is the door doesn't really engage right. very well. And mm-hmm. so somebody has gone in and they've just taped it shut or they put right. a zip tie over it. We see mm-hmm. that a lot. Right, right. That was my first thought is, you know, I bet this door isn't on tight enough and furnace isn't just, you know, isn't responding or, or something, or maybe it just needs to be turned off and turned back on again or something funky with it. But the door what was did on you tight. Find? Yeah, the door was on tight. The switch was engaged. You know, I tried turning it off and back on again. Same thing. The furnace would ignite, the flames would go, and then a few minutes it would shut off because the blower never kicked on. Hmm. It wasn't distributing the air. So Ruben, I didn't know about your ninja trick. I (laughs) would have tried that. But instead, since this is a rental property, I said, you guys should call the landlord and let them know that you have a furnace that's not working. And I said, you know, don't tell them the blower is not working or whatever. Tell them your furnace and your AC are not responding and they're not working. System is down. So they did. They filed a report. And actually, an HVAC guy came out the next day and took a look at it. And, you know, he took the door off too. And he said that the fan would not even move when he tried to push it. Like it was really stuck. And he said it was a a bad blower. So I don't know if you did your trick or not. Yeah. If you reach in there and it just binds, it's not a capacitor. Okay. That's That's what he said was going on. So he had to order some parts and come back out. There's some other issues going on too. There was some rust on the inside and some potential leaking and other things. So he basically said, you know, this furnace is, it's lucky to even still be working that I can get parts for it because he says that like these days, if a furnace makes it 15 years, it's good. Mm. He doesn't even say 20 years anymore. He says 15. Wow. I'll just throw out there in case anybody's wondering, if you got to replace the blower on a furnace, it's typically about a $500 job. Ooh. Yeah. So that was the first thing. And then that led me to looking at, there's an HRV in this house, which I was actually really impressed about. And so I- uh, Were they required at that time? 2015, I think here in Minnesota for the energy code. And I might stand corrected, but- No, you're right. Professor Rubin, wasn't there a time where they were required for just a bit and then that that requirement was taken off and you could just have a whole home exhaust fan running 24-7? It changed in 2007. Mm-hmm. Where where they said you could just have an exhaust fan, also known as exhaust only ventilation systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in 2007 we went to that. So that was here, right before our them. Great state, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So you go in the HRV. What'd you find there? Yeah. 
all sorts of goodness. No, actually it was funny. I had to get a, like a step stool to get up and, you know, unlatch the, the front cover of it. And I told my dad, I said, stand back and close your mouth because you never know what's <laughs> going to come out of these things, you know? And I opened up the door and all of a sudden, like all this kind of like this debris and like dead bugs fell out on me. And he's like, oh my gosh, is that a, a bird's nest in there? What is that? Because there was so much grass and dead bugs and gunk. Oh my God. I don't think this thing has like ever been cleaned out. Before. I bet you're right. Like years and years worth of just stuff in there. Well, so especially was, under the care of tenants, right? Who right, might not yeah. even realize what that right. box is. They, I mean, as we know, as home inspectors, you know, even homeowners don't know. And, you know, we see them in new construction a lot and the builders don't necessarily educate the homeowners and the homeowners don't understand. And so we just, they're just never maintained. So anyways, so I went through that process of kind of explaining to him how it works and why it's important and showed him the filters that we need to take out and wash and clean and then the core that needs to come out and we need to wash it and clean it too. But until we get that furnace and the, the blower working like there's really no point to it so luckily we've had you know a fairly nice last few days because we haven't had heat or cool or any sort of air exchanger so the windows have been open and, and it's nice for nice. once here in minnesota yes yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. we get a few and, days just like yeah that. a few yeah. days like this yeah so i've been enjoying it but with that as you guys know too there's some more maintenance with hrvs right the intakes on the exterior so i went outside and i took a look at the takes and they were perfectly clean and well-maintained perfectly, right? perfectly clean shiny clean yeah not the case at all so i'm gonna have to get it's on a slope in the backyard and it, i'm gonna need to get my like my little giant out there to get up there to clean it but it's completely clogged too. the intake on that this blower fan was a thing that your dad noticed yes but, okay so those are two fairly urgent and yes. i don't want to say severe but they're urgent issues because you want they, that mechanical if, equipment if, working yeah if it was really cold outside or really hot outside I mean they wouldn't have heat or cool when they moved in so you're going back to your mom's punch list yeah what, what else is she concerned about well you know so that led to kind of looking at some of the exterior hood vents on things and I noticed that there were a lot of wasp nests uh, <gasps> in these dampers I know no. <laughs> yes it's my nightmare I know me too me too now that I've been <laughs> stung my world has changed yes but yeah there's wasp nests and they're up in in vents that I can't reach without a 28 foot ladder and I don't want to do it. And they're preventing the dampers for these bath fans from closing all the way. You know what I did during a home inspection once? <laughs> it, it looked like there was probably a nest inside the dryer terminal. I, I saw bees coming in and out and mm -hmm. I didn't want to get close enough to verify. I was just a little bit freaked out and I picked up a small <laughs> stone. It was about the size of a quarter or something. And I got about five feet away and I kind of tossed it at it. And <laughs> Just just to see if it rile them up, just to be sure. But that little impact made the nest drop down <gasps> and it exploded. Like all of a sudden oh. there's just wasps and I hightailed <gasps> it across the backyard. I grabbed my tool belt so all my tools wouldn't fall out and I killed <laughs> it. Oh my gosh. Did you get stung? No, I did not. No. Oh my God. It's so fast. 
Oh, I had, that reminds me, I had a similar situation. I was with, I think I was with Jeff when he was in training and we opened up a, I opened up a service disconnect box for an AC unit on the outside. And there was a wasp nest in there and it was active and there were wasps flying on. It was a hot summer day too. And as soon as I saw that, I bolted, I took off running. I just took off so fast that all my tools were flying out of my tools (laughs) as I was running across the yard and Jeff saw me running. So he took off running the opposite direction. He didn't even know what I was running for. He's like, what's going on? (laughs) I wish I would have seen it. Oh man. And yeah. And so then I had to go back. He helped me pick up all my tools and stuff. And, you know, we just stayed away from the area, but yeah. It's a little unsettling. Yeah, um, isn't that a uh, good reason to call Kira Home Maintenance? They can come out go. and yeah. clean up some of those terminals and put on their bee-proof suits or yeah. wasp-proof suits and shimmy on up there, knock down For those sure. nests, and go on with your life. Get Tessa's sister over there. Your sister <laughs> to be a beekeeper, right? She did, yeah. She, but she does not like wasps, and she's actually like allergic to certain kinds of wasps, like in bees, really bad. So she has an epipen. We have to be cautious here because there are these wasps nests around, and we see them flying around on the deck and and everything so we need to kind of get that taken care of so that's on the list and speaking of pests my mom noticed a couple ants on the windowsill in the kitchen too and she's like oh t like you know do we need to call an exterminator what do we do with this you know and i was like well it depends i mean have we seen a lot of ants are there i mean how many have you have you killed and really there was only a few and so I'm not a pest expert and we actually have pest experts on the team, but I was like, you know, let's just put out some ant traps and see what happens. And, and if it gets bad, then yeah, we can call an exterminator, come and spray. But for now let's just, and, and I haven't seen any more. It was just the, like but, the kind of the first couple of days. And I mean, if, as long as it's not carpenter ants, it's like really what yeah. harm do ants do? I don't know of any harm. They can be kind of gross. I have to admit, like when you see ants walking along a ledge and then you find out what they're going to, and there's a pile of them all like feasting on an old piece of food. Yeah. They would always find my my dog's food if there'd be like (laughs) one piece that he didn't eat and uh, sitting on the kitchen floor or whatever yeah it would always be like a pile of those grease eating ants or whatever oh yeah yeah that's what it was it wasn't any carpenter ants so i wasn't too concerned about that so but, what are you why are you worried about carpenter ants? carpenter ants will attack rotted wood carpenter ants are not like termites you know termites will go after good wood and they'll destroy your house or so my home inspector friends in southern climates have told me I I don't think I've ever seen a termite myself in person, but termites will go after good wood. Carpenter ants, on the other hand, they need rotted wood. So a carpenter ant is a sign that you've got a water problem. You've got a, a rotting problem and they're just there to happily remove the rotted wood. It's not like they really caused the damage. They're just a sign that you've got a problem somewhere. Mm-hmm. And my experience has been usually when you find a carpenter ant in a house, that's a red flag. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're in your house for a reason. They found something. And there's probably a nest somewhere with a big rotted mess. So pay attention to that when you see a carpenter ant. And if you don't know what they look like, carpenter ants are huge. And if you look at it carefully, it's like they got these big old mandibles, like jaws for chewing. That, that's how you know it's a carpenter ant. Or get up close and look at one and eye to eye with them. <laughs> I've, I've got the greatest picture ever taken of a carpenter ant. I'll put it in the podcast notes. And I did that. <laughs> I put my camera lens like right on top of them. And it's, it's professional grade photography, Bill. <laughs> Did you put that picture in the report? You know I did. Yeah, I was proud of it. Okay, so the ants were not urgency. There's no urgency to the ants, and we're we're not concerned with any sort of severity on this. 
Right. Yeah. I'm just kind of keep an eye on it. Along those lines, they noticed too, after they moved in, the light on the front of the garage on either side of the, the garage door were not turning on with any of the switches. And so, you know, it could be burned out lights or could be something else. Not quite sure. Haven't taken the light apart to put in new bulbs. Maybe it's an easy fix. Maybe it's something else. And also I'm going with a, the former. Yeah. I Let's hope so. Yeah. And also another thing, kind of minor, but, you know, affects quality of life. They're missing the screen door on their back sliding doors onto the deck. And so, you know, you can't have the door open, all these wasps flying around. So, yeah. So that's another thing on the list. But it was funny because I was like, well, there is something I can help with. I can help with the slow drain and the stopper, right? So (laughs) Yeah, I'm dying to know how you fix this. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, first of all, you know, I'm messing with the stopper and it's not really working and I have to say, I've never had to replace a sink stopper mechanism before. So I consulted the Google. (laughs) (laughs) And first things first, like to clean out this slow drain too, is I, you know, I I took the stopper out and I I took it apart, threw it out. I don't know what you call these pieces. On the back of the drain, took that part open, was able to pull out the device that kind of holds the stopper in place and moves it up or down. So it's a rod-like thing. Yeah, it's like a rod. Yeah, pulled that thing out. And then I was able to pull the stopper out and the rod was like completely corroded. Like it was all, it was corroded. It was very thin and very flexible. So it had, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't moving the stopper up and down. It was probably going to break any second. So first things first was like cleaning out a nasty drain, right? With not my hair and not my gunk in it, which I did, but my mom repaid me with a strawberry milkshake from Culver's. So that was okay. But (laughs) the other part of it was I needed to get a new rod. So I went to the hardware store and there's an older gentleman there and that's you know, gonna be me someday by the way yeah. <laughs> when i retire i'll be that older gentleman working in the hardware store guarantee it yeah yeah and you know and and i was looking around i've never bought one of these before and i was in the plumbing section but i was kind of close not quite finding it he's like what what do you need and i explained it to him and pointed me in the right direction and and there was really only like one option and it came with like in a pack and there was like two sizes to this rod it was a larger rod with a larger ball on the end you know the stopper that keeps the drain sealed um and a, and a smaller version of that and he's like yeah there you know it, this should work and it also came with the part that screws on over that to seal the drain back up so i took it home and i compared the old rod with the new rod and chose the rod that was the the ball that was the same size and um put that in it didn't fit like the little plastic gasket that fits around that ball to make a seal on the drain was thicker than the original one And so I couldn't screw on the old cap over that device. It didn't fit. So I tried to screw on the new cap that came with the parts that I bought and it didn't fit. It wasn't a match for this drain. And so I'm like, okay, this is not universal. All right. So eventually what I found out is that the the smaller size ball with the newer, larger gasket ring worked in that device. So I was able to get that in and use the old drain cap to fix that. The whole thing was kind of a trial and error situation. And it took me a little while. And also this drain and the trap was so close close to the back of the cabinet that I like it was like you know four inches away that like I couldn't see anything I was working on and oh, yeah. I was like you know cranked under this this cabinet and you know I understand why a lot of plumbers are known for their cracks because it's a good thing I was wearing high-waisted pants my mom took a picture <laughs> of me and used it for blackmail later but um <laughs> well but, it's a good yeah. thing you're, you're small too <laughs> yeah that's another thing yeah so I was using a mirror trying to thread the rods through the stopper and it was just like it was just a nightmare I'm like I don't think I could ever be a plumber this just sucks man 
You should have just got her one of those little 25 cent stoppers that you set in the drain, you know, just there. I know. I know. Yeah. So all in all, like the whole project from like disassembling to cleaning to the hardware store to messing around with the different rods and having to get them in there and like putting it all back together. It took me way longer than I want to admit. Like Ruben, that would take you like 10 minutes. It took me probably three hours. It's embarrassing. No plumbing project by anybody who is a DIYer has ever taken less than three hours and usually three trips to the hardware store. (laughs) Three trips to the hardware store. It only took me one. So I guess that's a small victory. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you that older gentleman was certainly waiting for you to come back and buy something else because (laughs) he knew this is just trip number one. We'll see her again. And it's not because you're a her, it's because you're working on plumbing. And that's just what happened. You know, what was so funny is I took in the original rod just so that I had it and I could compare. And the original rod had been bent, like the, the end piece of it had been bent at a 90 degree angle because this trap and this drain was so close to the back of the cabinet. Like you couldn't oh. get the rod in without bending it. And he was like, he was just so confused by that. He was like, how does this work? How, like, did you do this? And I was like, this is how it came. And this is because it, it, to get it in and feed it. And so I was like, it took me like five minutes to explain him. I'm like, why am I explaining this guy about this bent rod? <laughs> and like, I had to go home and like bend it, my the new one, because I couldn't get it in. It was a whole situation. So well, we're back at the beginning of this story because you're in <laughs> small town America. And this is what people do. They they have conversations about these sorts of things. And yeah. Yeah. Just roll with it. Right. Well, and apparently this landlord charges like $40 for like a plumber to come out. Like they charge the tenant for plumbing stuff so i'm like well i'll just take care of this for you in Um, hindsight that 40 bucks would have been well worth it it would have been well worth it yeah but now i you know what i feel good about it i know how to replace stoppers and i understand how they work really well now so anyways learning moment i think what you're talking about though is this experience is something that home inspectors see all the time the clients will bring their list of concerns. And by the time you go through the, the list of 20, there's really one thing left to talk about on that list. And there's probably five other things that just didn't even you know rise up to their level of attention. Like they didn't notice it that are real concerns. Yeah. And, you know, when you're going through a house and you're putting the puzzle together or mm-hmm. you're connecting all of the dots, visually speaking, most of these defects really aren't that big of a deal. It's understanding systems and, and maintenance stuff too. And actually two other things I didn't mention. This house, it has a reverse osmosis water filtration system, which I really don't know anything about these systems. I mean, I know enough to like say if that's what it is, but like in terms of really how they work work and the maintenance involved and all that stuff. Like, I don't know. And then there's also a water softener here too, in this house. And my parents haven't had to deal with that in a really long time. And so they were asking me like, you know, well, when do we put the salt in? When do we need to put the salt in? Do we even know it's working? And it's a rental property. So you'd think that, you know, they would move in and hopefully those systems that require maintenance would be taken care of, or at least the landlord could say, here's the company you need to call, you know, that has been working on these systems. But there was none of that. There was none of that. And so luckily I was able to read the the manual on the reverse osmosis system. And I was like, well, okay, I understand there's filters to change, but really like you need to do some water quality testing to see if the system's working right and when the filters need to be changed and how frequently and, and all this stuff. And really you need to have a professional come in 
who test the water probably, you know, with changes in residence and maybe even more frequently than that, and then be on top of changing these filters. And so my dad, he's a smart guy. He was able to find the company that owns this reverse osmosis system and the water softener system, same company here in town. So he actually showed up at the company yesterday. He walked in and kind of played the uh, the old man card, like, I don't know what's going on here. Somebody help me. And luckily they had this address in their their maintenance records and they installed the systems and they said, yeah, we need to come out and test the water quality and, and replace the filters every every year, I think they said, and replace some of the lines that feed the tap and, and tap in the kitchen is for the reverse osmosis. It also feeds the refrigerator as well. And, and we'll take care of the water softener too. And it's 25 bucks a month and we'll come out later this week. So yeah, that was a win for, for him. Well, that's good. It's the one piece of equipment in a house I'll never understand. And it's, it's like black magic, water softening. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. There's this tank and there's this other thing. And yeah. they, when they're installed, they seem to work. Yeah. But there's no way I can explain it. I guess it's well, chemistry. It's funny too. I was telling my parents, Ruben, we were at your dad's house a couple weeks ago with the trainees and okay. we were just inspecting it, you know, practice inspection. And your dad has a water softener. And at Structure Tech, we carry around these water hardness test strips, just ones you can buy from like the hardware store to just see what the water hardness level is. And so we did that. We tested the water and it was hard. And there was salt in the tank and, you know, it seemed it was plugged in, it seemed to be functional. So we tested it every single bathroom just to see every single bathroom had hard water. And so we told your dad and he's like, that's crazy. I just had the maintenance guy come out and he like added salt and recharged the system and tuned it up like two weeks ago and it wasn't working right. And like your dad. Well, maybe it was in those strips just didn't give you the, the right answer because that's a pH test that is happening on that strip, right? It or... was all, all the water was hard. Yeah. Or, or there's only so much that it will put out of soft water. I mean, once you've run so much water, you have depleted your soft water supply and it's going to run hard until it runs in a regenerate mode again. It doesn't give you an endless amount of soft water. So I suspect that when you guys oh. were doing the testing, it had simply just run out of, of soft. I, I don't know what to call it. That's something that, I mean, if you're testing the showers and the tubs and filling them up, like, that's going to deplete the amount of yeah. standard amount of water you have that soften in most yeah. houses. And, you know, it'd probably be best practice just for any home inspector to do the water softener test before you run 15,000 gallons of water testing all the fixtures because oh you gosh. might deplete the soft water. There's How your daily pearl. It How needed did, 50 minutes yeah. in. <laughs> you got your daily there pearl. <laughs> still with us. Ruben, I, I like, I, oh my gosh, how many water softeners have I tested that maybe I was like, I said that it was hard water and they weren't working. And it's just because I ran a ton of water and tested it at the end. Now I feel stupid. Well, you know, we should get Brady Androff. He's the guy that I use for my water softener needs. He did a class for our local ASHI chapter, which was really good. We should have him on as a podcast guest, or have we already had him on? Yeah, we talked to Brady. Oh, that's <laughs> you yes, are in is. a fog today. Oh, I did. That is very unlike Ruben. Very unlike Ruben. Ruben, you're looking a little peaked over there. <laughs> oh boy. Where's, all right. With all that right. in mind, I Look think we're going to put a raft on it's today's time to episode. Wrap. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. Well, one thing's for certain. Most people's when they're so freaked out by this process of buying a home and getting an inspection, a lot of times their concerns aren't concerns and, and what they should be concerned about, they're not concerned about. And so it's a good thing that that these events take place. And I'll still never understand water softeners. And I'll say <laughs> that the reason that reason that Neil's water was hard is because he's known to take several long showers each day. So no, Bill, <laughs> Bill you, you're close, but oh, I know what it was. But uh, hold on. No, I don't know what it was. But he, he, takes, he takes a bath every day. At the end of every day, he, he takes a bath. He takes a hot bath. I think he does it in the summer, too. That has always been his thing my entire life. He, he loves it. But I was I was thinking he just got a hot tub and maybe he was filling his hot tub and he depleted it, but no. I don't think the hot tub was full because we did check. Yeah, I don't think it was. And, it was and even if it was, he would have been filling it with the outside spigot. Yeah. And that's going to be that's not soft. water. So yeah, not softened. All right. Certainly nobody is left listening to this. So <laughs> I'm going to put a wrap on, on yeah. today's episode. <laughs> we got a little long in the tube. We're talking about yeah. Neil's bath time. Sorry, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Structure Talk, also known as Neil's House Dissection Talk. Thank you for listening. My name is Bill Ulrich alongside Tessa Murray and the sleepy Ruben Saltzman. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time. For more information on how we can provide you with the right information about your home before you buy or sell, contact us at StructureTech.com. 